0: It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And guess what? This is the first for a podcast, bro. We're having family on our podcast today. How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, work with that, man.
1: Not only family, like really close
0: family, like DNA close family. Yeah, like the same person, but just a little different. <laughs> like another Willie B. Uh, yeah, man. So my brother is going to join the podcast today. Uh, I have an identical twin, so for those that don't know, um, I have an identical twin, uh, and he's a spitting mirror image of me. We're actually called mirrored identical twins, Uh, so it's like looking in the mirror. I'm right-handed, he's left-handed. We're about three and a half, four minutes apart, Uh, and ever since we came out of the shoot, me and my brother have always been (laughs) literally the closest of friends, uh, but also uh, the biggest of competitors. It's sort of um, defined... Uh, our relationship in life uh, and the great adventures and times that we've shared uh, have always been, you know, just me and my brother. That's, uh, that's who I talk to probably most often, uh, still today my best friend. Uh, and he, you know, it's funny because having an identical twin, you definitely develop different personalities as you find yourself. And me and my brother, in our younger years, we really did have those defining personalities. He went one way, I went the other, but here later in life, you know, we always had these commonalities, but here we are later in life, and our roads cross, or at least so symbiotic um, that they run parallel even today. It's it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's a
1: great uh, that's a great thing. Anytime you can have any sort of connection, and in this case, a seriously deep car connection uh, with a sibling, even a family yeah. member, but a sibling, especially a twin, uh, is pretty awesome. My, my dad's a twin as well, identical twin. Always fun and kind of growing up around that. You know. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure as a kid, they got in all kinds of trouble. I heard all kinds of stories about, you know, <laughs> swapping dates and things, you know, like, hey, I'm not really digging this one. You want to, you know, trade places, <laughs> you know, might all have kinds of, <laughs> yep, all kinds of funny things like that. So
0: I can only imagine the two of you guys. Hey, you hit that nail so on the head because one thing that we always enjoyed and loved was competing in cars. So my dad got us into cars at a very young age, but he really tapped out early on to me and my brother's car venturing. And and it was because, you know, me and my brother were so into it and into it both competitively uh, against each other but always had each other's back um, that really drove us to be, um, you know, uh, pretty cool hot rodders in our little town and go on to, you know, do a lot of cool hot riding type stuff and have, you know, a couple badass cars that we could always hop in and uh, leave a couple stripes and, you know, light up a crowd or, you know, uh, a, a couple friends. It really has kept this fine line between him and myself as my venture has taken me down a certain path as well as his and his brings us, you know, to, to why he's on the podcast today. My brother's always been really gifted in the world of computers, Um, computers were not my thing, bro. Uh, as you could imagine knowing me a little bit, I was like, computer, (laughs) what? Uh, no, that's okay. Uh, I like basketball though. Um, so yeah, computers never were my thing, but my brother, man, my brother excelled at him. He was always really gifted in that realm and that world. Um, so much so it led him down a, a really incredible path to, writing code and, and you know, doing things for huge companies. We all, you know, we do our banking with for some people that ever, you know, heard of that little company, Wells Fargo, and uh, even bigger worldwide companies. Um, his computer knowledge and sort of the, just the nature of what he chose as his career path has really led him uh, on, a, on a couple uh, just unbelievable adventures. However, he's always had that commonality in the car world. And now, as you know, Bird. You're an engineer at Ford. It's so funny to hear how cars, you know, we all see it. We've all witnessed it. But that transition from just a, you know, four wheels, um, an IC engine, uh, some sort of manual transmission into a, an O3-speed, maybe a four-speed transmission, um, those things have now morphed into computers with wheels. And really, the technology in cars nowadays is unfathomable. It's unbelievable. Well, when your car breaks down you're not calling the mechanic anymore you're calling IT
1: you know hey man i got to reboot this thing uh so it's kind of cool for for full circle you know cuz your brother's constantly been in the car scene uh and constantly you know like you just kind of competing on your builds on who's faster who's doing what in the car world uh and he's you know, gone through that full adventure of of really kind of mastering uh the computer space the software and everything else uh, and to see him kind of come back again full circle uh, into the tuning side and the operation uh, of the vehicle, and, and it's such a huge advantage. Uh, we're going to talk about here in a little bit really getting into tuning, but understanding what's going on inside uh, not only the engine because a lot of us, you know, go back to the carburetor days and we're like fuel, spark, compression, you know, yada yada yada, but now you're blending in all this controls, control strategy uh you're writing scripts whatever it is to you know really eke out every bit of the engine understand things like uh knock sensors and signals and everything else uh so you got the durability you got the performance you got the efficiency uh so it's gonna be a pretty fun conversation from a guy who's really pieced together all the elements uh he's really rocking out there in the tuning world
0: it's tuning on a whole different level and at the end of this podcast I will tell you what happened on my first day of computer class in college. It's it's a day that will forever (laughs) live in infamy in my mind. I, I will explain what happened on my first day of computer class in college. That's at the end of the podcast. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Kevin Bird, Willie B, and my identical twin brother on the podcast next. Stick around. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And guess who else joins this podcast? I'm fired up. So, obviously my name, I wasn't born Willie B. I earned that name. Um, I actually probably copied it from my brother, whose real name, we, he goes by Billy, but his name is William. Um, and uh, it's funny because, you know, growing up with an identical twin uh, and a guy that, you know, we basically look just the same. We grew up loving cars, being freaks about them. Here's what happened to me. I don't know uh, whether I got dropped on, the, on my head or or I don't know uh, what exactly happened. I decided a long time early on in the game I was a fan of the Dodge Charger and always gravitated towards Mopars, whereas my brother, welcome to the podcast, bro, he was a, a true Chevrolet man through and through. <laughs> anyway. That's right.
2: That's right. I always been in my nature for GMs. That's so.
0: Yeah, man. Well, hey, we brought you on today, bro, because well, a couple things. You know, computers have really taken over how you tune and how your car performs. Uh, and you've really not only excelled in computers your entire life, um, as I might have noted prior, uh, my brother is president of a computer club. Uh, I ended up senior class president. So we went different routes. But, dude, this cat, when it comes to computers, uh, this guy is where I go for everything. Any time I've got problems, questions. Uh, he's always been a great resource, and it really has landed him uh, in a lot of great adventures throughout his life. But in the car world, it's changed his his world up a little bit because now he went out recently. He's he's bought a dyno. He's been going to all these classes and courses. He's been. How long have you been tuning, using an HP tuner, bro? It's several years, I know. But when did you first get into it? Well,
2: I, I got into it, but actually, when I bought that Firehawk uh, back in two thousand one. So if you think it's really twenty years, two decades of HP tuners capacity for, for LS ones. Hard to believe when you think, oh, it's a new platform out there. No, it's been around for 20 plus years. So, uh, I, I guess I really started hard and heavy on the tuning side about 2003 or four. That was when, uh, I, I first took my car in to get it tuned. And I used to take it to a bunch of tuners or I would fly people in, uh, you know, we both had, uh, you know, blower cars, turbo cars before be it my Malibu, your charger, etc. You know, it, it was, it was very expensive to get someone to come work on those things and tune it. And when you looked at what they did, um, it was really just figuring out what we do with carburetor setup. It was figuring out the air, the fuel, the spark in um, a means that was really close near and dear to my heart, which was computers. and started thinking about it I was like, you know what I, I could do this and, and I think I could do it better than some of the people that were coming in and I was paying a, you know a couple thousand dollars to do it. So spent some time, uh, read a bunch, uh, you know, we have always had a knack for cars and understanding how engines work. And that's the fundamentals of any tuning. It's just no one being mechanically inclined enough to know how a car works. You know, knowing what it takes to get one running. I was, I, I laugh and say this a little bit, you know, kind of telling on myself, but uh, I was trying to get a car going uh, probably a month ago. And you know what it worked out to be? Well, wasn't any gas in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was out of gas.
1: I'm like wait like, huh oh that's it everybody at some point man especially back in the old days when gas gauges were kind of like you know here or there <laughs> yeah. it's like me when i right. swipe my debit card i'm like
0: uh, okay all right <laughs> cool um but you know but you're you're so right man and computers have have definitely changed uh, how you go about programming the car but you know nowadays uh, they're more important than ever seeing what what is happening out there in the world and and you know uh, Props to you. You're going through all the schooling now. You know, I know you got some some classes in your near future, but you recently purchased the dyno and, you know, you're taking tuning to this next level. What what are some things in your opinion to mind when you're first getting into it? Kind of lay out what maybe somebody who's listening is like, OK, I, I wouldn't mind tuning my own car, learning about it. What, what are some of the first steps? What are things we should consider either going to purchase, reading or buying? How do we get our toes in the water?
2: You know, the, the great thing about today's world is information is available. The only thing you have to do is search for it. Right. So there's all kinds of forums. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, boards, even, even Facebook uh, has boards and, you know, chat rooms and groups for tuning. If you, if you go look, if you're interested in the HP tuner side of the house, they have a group for HP tuners tuning. So, um, you know, th- there's groups there. If you go to, uh, hptuners.com their website they have a forum on their website with all kinds of links and honestly if you ask any any younger person out there they're going to tell you youtube and and they're right youtube has literally thousands upon thousands of videos of how to tune and to start start off i'd say um you know know the mechanics know the fundamentals know a little bit about you know spark fuel you know, air in a car, what's it take to make an engine just operate? So understand the mechanics of an engine because honestly, tuning is just interpreting those mechanics in a way that, you know, combined with the the sensors that are available in today's engine to make it easy to to make the engine do what you want it to do. And honestly, tuning really isn't that complicated. It's just knowing where to find the information to be able to speak the language of your car. Um, you know, each car each system has a little bit of a different language that they speak it takes some different uh you know turns of the knobs if you will through an electronic means but it's easy to get there i think back on the uh, my 87 grand national you know you could you could tune it it was a chip you couldn't do it with a laptop you did it with a gas pedal you literally turned yeah. the air conditioner on you had something called a scan master hit the pedal four times and this thing. yeah so you yeah. could you know just when you think about tuning, it's all about how you access the systems that are on the car that you need to manipulate. So if you understand the mechanics and you know how to get to those systems, then tuning is just a matter of putting that puzzle together.
1: What'd you find the most helpful? Because uh, you you kind of went you know way back when playing around with HP tuners, you know on the fly, just kind of learning as you go, which you know can be great because it's how most of us probably learn how to work on cars and such. But, you know, we know that you can make some pretty critical errors, uh, tune in your vehicle and pop a motor pretty quick. Uh, so you kind of went that route for a number of years. And then you went, you know, the full training route, the full professional route, along with, you know, kind of searching the Internet for various pieces. Uh, what have you found the most helpful uh, along the way?
2: You know, experience is a great teacher and and failure is a great teacher. There's been times where I've worked on a tune and it's just ran like a uh dog. I mean it's just been bad. Like, okay, let's let's see exactly what I did um and, and made it work. And and again, Kevin, that's you bring up a great point. The the OEM systems that are out there, be it a Dodge, a Ford, a GM, it imports, etc. There's enough sensors and technology built into a car today where if you pay attention to what the car is telling you, it it tells you what it needs. Whether you can log stuff through something called a histogram. Um, that will tell you kind of, if you're commanding a certain air fuel, if you're commanding a certain amount of timing, it'll tell you how far off the deviation is from what you're commanding. So again, some of it goes back to the mechanics. If you know what the engine needs and you know how to access the systems to, to interpolate what the, com- the car is telling you, then it's easy to just fix and correct what it is that your, your target air fuel should be, or your timing table should be, um, you know, what RPM you want to cut the engine off, at, th- those type things. I, for the most part, I'd say um, experience is a great teacher. Failure is a great teacher. There's there's easier ways to learn. And, and that's by leveraging some of the content that's out there publicly available on some of the forums, YouTube, etc. cetera. Um, don't blow an engine and the quest for knowledge, uh, you know, play with it and small baby steps. Baby steps are important. Yeah, that's
1: a key, man. Yep. Yeah. Don't don't just go throw a bunch of spark at it. And like I want to make some power because <laughs> you're gonna make some shrapnel real fast. But yeah, get some baby steps in there. And, and and I'll tell you. Um. You know, growing up on carburetors. Uh. You know, I've been in, in uh, powertrain design and Ford for so many years. So I get access and see so many things. Uh. That I, I just have a natural comfortness around. But I get the fact that there's a lot of folks. Uh. You know. G- you know, wanting or maybe. Uh. You know getting tired of the carburetor side wanting to get more into fuel injection EFI uh, and just intimidated uh, but it's like you said you know when you say histogram you know I can see a lot of people going what's a histogram <laughs> uh, you know but but what i would say is um, you know it's it's kind of like an atm there's a lot of complicated stuff going on inside of there but all you got to do is know how to put your card in put your pin in and tell it how much money you want you know and, and it spits it out so the computer is doing a lot of stuff that you don't need to know you just need to know the important stuff your pin where the card goes ex- you know which account you want from um you know just to break it down and take some of the fear out of yeah but there's a lot of tools in there like the histogram and other things that tell you so much more about what's going on you know as your knock sensor pinging right do you have too much spark in there something that you might not have picked up on without that feedback from the computer so that's a really powerful thing once you kind of break through the fear once you get a little bit of exposure uh you find that man it's such a great world to be in the electronic side than it is to be in the pure mechanical side absolutely
0: something we should note too is something you should always note is make one change All right. Just one. Don't go throw all kinds of different changes uh, at it and then expect some dramatic um, difference uh, and be able to, you know, locate an issue or a problem. Make one change. See if you get any progress. Then go back and make another change. Uh, I always tell people, man, don't change two, three, four different things at once because then you, you don't know. What made an impact and what made a difference? Um, like he said, you know, small steps, small increments, uh, and make one change at a time and then evaluate it, then make another change, evaluate it. Uh, and really that's when you start to to really get in and snatch up some of those margins that the OEs leave behind. And um I, I will ask you this, Bill. Um when you see some of these margins, I tell people all the time that That when they go buy a new car or any car for that matter, new or used, uh, there's a good chance that nobody's been in there tuning yet. There's a lot of craziness that goes on on the factory side just for warranties and, you know, the mileage and the efficiency and so forth. But there's a lot of performance. You can go in and snatch up some of that timing, some of that spark. You know, you don't have to have, you know, the whole engine go to sleep while the transmission makes a shift and then wake back up and grab some RPMs you could actually have those things work uh, together and uh, it actually will prolong the life of your transmission in some cases. There's a lot of those margins that the factory just has there that you can manipulate one of the fastest things you'll ever see in a car is just changing up how the transmission works. You get to leave the engine exactly like it is, but you could change how the transmission shifts and what occurs during that shift and make a notable difference in how the car is responding and reacting at the track.
2: Absolutely.
1: Oh, no doubt, especially in some of these like eight speed and 10 speed transmissions where there's just probably too many gears in there. uh, And they're really focusing on, you know, the fuel efficiency, which is great. But like you said, uh, to go in there and and really tune and optimize those gear shifts uh, to put you in the performance side of things uh, can be a great
2: kind of out of the box on a stocker. Right. Something the factory does to protect the transmission life, and you can do this a couple of different ways, but the factory will drop about 10 degrees of timing every time the transmission shifts. So it softens the performance of the car tremendously. And you can, you can fix that very easy. And you can also take the time that it shifts because the factory's built in a lot of time delay in the shifting of gears you can take that out you can up the shift pressure you know you're right bro you can do just a ton with the transmission up the line pressure just to help add a cooler to the transmission to help the fluid capacity stay longer um and and really increase the performance significantly by never touching the engine just touching the transmission side of the house yeah and if you know what you're doing just to add on to that some of that is
1: actually better for the transmission Instead of having these long, soft, spongy shifts that, you know, most people driving That's around right. enjoy the cushiness of, you're really slipping those clutches internally in the in the automatic transmission. Uh, so sometimes getting a good bite on them, just undoing, locking back in, is better for performance and for the life of that transmission. At least the clutches part, if you're not hammering so hard that you're breaking stuff. Amen to that. Absolutely.
0: Alright, so look, we got more questions, but we'll get those answers here in just a second. We gotta take a break. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back in just a minute. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and my identical twin brother, my boy Billy, who's been a uh this has been the best brother anybody could ever ask for. Not only has been my best friend because he's my brother, he's my best competitor in the car world, man. Every time, uh, he's the biggest cheerleader and uh, for sure the biggest competitor. We've we've raced so many times, man. We used to drive each other nuts racing our cars. Actually, he's probably got a really funny story how he first got into hot rodding, which involves me and the front porch of my girlfriend at the time. Shout out Christy Gwynn, what up, girl? This is true. Um, <laughs> this is very true. Uh, so you know we're talking tuning and. And my brother has has really, um, he's gone off the deep end with it. He went and bought a dyno. He started this Warlock tuning. Um, he's been doing a lot of tuned in and around the Kentucky area. And Kevin, this is a this is a place where you know where drag racing, bro. You can go drag racing at five, six, eight different tracks inside an hour or two, man. It's uh it runs rich there in the uh, the eastern sort of central part of Kentucky, bro. That's for sure. There's a lot of competition. We
2: have tracks open um, and <laughs> honestly, in about about two or three weeks, they're already got uh, all, all kinds of events you know, lined up and ready to go. So uh, people getting their cars ready and you'll see a lot of a lot of stuff coming together. I know about uh, six different groups of guys that are headed down to Florida here next weekend for the Braderton race, the first street car takeover. So it should be a little fun time.
0: Hey, my boy Victor does a great job at that track. That's a great event, and uh, all the boys, um, I know a bunch of them are going to be down there having a blast, man. Um, Hey, question for you, dude. Uh, You know, tuning cars nowadays is so drastically different. Um, There's a lot of people that have the fortune now of being able to go to their local junkyard, Right. Or, you know, hop on, you know, Facebook or eBay or whatever, find themselves an LS, a 5.3, uh, a crate engine that has, you know, body control module and an ECM and all this stuff. What do they need to make it work? Because Kevin and I oftentimes talk about doing all these LS swaps and a lot of different platforms. But, man, getting it to run is a whole different It's a whole different gig. Uh, What are you seeing out there that makes this transition really easy? Uh, And, you know, for us on this end, uh, you know, simplest form possible.
2: You know, there's probably – five or six different pieces of software that you can download and, and they're free. They're you, know, you just search for them on, on Google or on DuckDuckGo, whatever search engine you want to use that, that help you out and get you started. The first thing you're going to need to really do with the LS engine is honestly turn the VATS off, the anti-theft system on the ECM. So if you go grab one from a junkyard, everything else, it's going to have some sort of vehicle anti-theft device on it, some sort of system there. You can turn that off. And honestly, you need maybe four to five different connections on that LS engine a battery, uh, you know, permanent battery hot and a key hot, and that's about it. It's a really easy system to get going and started. Heck, you could even do it with a carburetor if you wanted less connections, but they're super easy to get started. You can strip out that wiring harness yourself, you can buy one for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, From like a BP Automotive or even eBay, Amazon have wiring harnesses that you can buy that are already standalone base harnesses. They have some uh, fuses and relays already set up in them. Only thing you need to do is provide about three connections to it, and that'll get your LS up and going. Uh, From the ECM standpoint, again, the biggest thing is that BATS, that vehicle anti-theft device. Uh, Once you turn that off, you're free to really start that thing and, and have at it. You're going to run into some issues, depending upon if you're going to put headers, um, you know what type of exhaust you're going to run. Because honestly, the EPA is getting their hands in on a lot of different uh, aftermarket tuning situations with regards to what they're letting you turn off from an emission standpoint. So that's something to note these days as well.
1: What about the EVAP? Uh, can, can it run without having to go in and do anything particular with EVAP? Or uh, will it just go and... You know, it thinks it's, it's fully functional and whatnot.
2: Yeah, so if you're going to leave, if your junkyard engine comes with some of those controls on it and those modules on it, you can certainly leave that on. I will say, 99% of the people out there take that off the first thing they do when they get that engine from the junkyard. So you can leave that on in the system. It will cause a little bit of a stutter, but you can certainly go in and turn that off, turn the vats off turn the EGR off on those things with some of that freeware software that's out there and available off the Internet. A couple different systems to do that. Certainly, HP tuners will do that as the most common out there for LS platforms. But there's other systems. HP tuners will cost you a little bit to do those things. Right. Anytime you access an ECM, a a control module for an LS based engine, it's about a 100 bucks of uh, you know to license that ECM. There's some systems out there where you can do those things that you don't have to pay a license for. So those are kind of some of the fun ones. Sloppy Mechanics does a good job at that.
1: What's well, nice though, once yeah, once you've kind of licensed that that hundred bucks, you can go in there pretty much forever and tune that particular ECM.
2: Oh, absolutely. You can have unlimited access to do different things to it. And that's, you know, I, I recommend HP tuners and that's the, you know, the, the availability of it to, to really reach out and touch every part of those subsystems, be it the transmission, be it um, you think, what do you need for like a turbo setup? I heard my brother mentioned maybe an aftermarket turbo setup on an LS. That's no, a real popular system to do. You can you can do a, what they call a speed density based system, a map based system. Some people still run the mass sensor, the uh, you know mass airflow sensor. Um, you know if you want to get rid of that, you'd switch to the speed density. A lot of different options are available, but you're right. Once you license it one time, you never have to worry about licensing it again. So,
0: and which of those systems would you recommend?
2: Well, if you're if you're having a stock you know a stock LS. Um, you can keep the math. The math gives you a lot of uh, flexibility with regards to elevation, altitude changes, performance changes on the on the car, and you can do things like a you know aftermarket uh, uh, camshaft. You can do some things, and and the math compensates for a lot of that. Not all of it certainly, but compensates for a lot of it. Now, if you're going to go with a forced induction system, be it a supercharger or a turbo. I'd absolutely, um, recommend like a speed density based tune where you, you don't have that mass, that manifold, uh, or that uh, mass airflow sensor being a restrictive part of the equation, because on, honestly a mass airflow is great for, uh, a daily driver is great for, um, kind of compensating for some of those changes. But if you go over about 14 pounds of boost, it's out of range, it's out of its, it can't read air more, you know, more than 14 pounds of boost and it can't read past a certain frequency. So it has trouble with, with forced induction situations.
1: Can you not, uh, on the stock one, can you change, uh, like the map, uh, more bars.
2: Yeah, yeah you can map so, on it and, yep. and
1: extend that range out a little bit further.
2: Yep. So you're talking about a, the manifold air pressure sensor, the MAP sensor. So the MAF, mass airflow sensor, is what sits in your air intake prior to the throttle body. That's the thing I was talking about earlier, which runs out of frequency range. Your MAP sensor on the typically the back of the intakes or top of the intakes, manifold air pressure sensors, those things are great. You can get a two bar, a three bar um, and, and imagine if you will, uh, each bar representing about, uh, let's just say eight to 10 pounds of boost per second. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so GM makes a three bar one that you can get that, that works really well. So
1: can you take a GM stock controller and run it in uh, speed density mode from multiple different years? Are you switching then to an aftermarket?
2: Nope. So you can take uh, a number of different GM ECMs. Uh, the very first ones that came out, so your 97, 98, 041 ECMs, those won't really support what they call a speed density system. But really anything after about 2003, four, those will all support the the speed density based uh, tuning system, right? So you can switch those to speed density under HP tuners and have a, all kinds of uh, flexibility to tune your car with a forced induction setup, you know, as much as you want to. So it, it, it's a great system from a factory ECM standpoint. They, they do really well. I, and honestly, I, I give bro, I, I give Dodge a shout out their system uh, do, does really well from a forced induction tuning on some of the Hellcats and, and whatnot. Those systems are, are good systems from a, just a factory ECM standpoint.
1: Now, what point, you know, if you're getting pretty radical on, on boost or anything else, uh, do you just kind of eject and go aftermarket? Or can you just kind of keep driving once you've swip, swapped over from a, a mass airflow to a map speed density type uh, setup? Can you just kind of keep going in the more radical builds and boost
2: levels? and? You know, it, think of it as... as- what input outputs do you want to control? Do you want to have a, a built-in two-step? Do you, does your factory ECM have something called a, a wideband support? So, m- most factory ECMs don't. They have what they call narrow bands. If you if you think about O2 sensors in a car, they have a, a short-term and a long-term fuel trim that they look at to adjust the car's air and fuel ratios. But they really, if you're doing force induction, you're getting kind of wild, you really need to look at a wideband. And most aftermarket market ECM setups, that's where they're really, you know, have the ability to shine is they have a a wide band functionality versus a narrow band. They also have a lot of flexibility built into, um, you know, if you want a a built-in two-step, if you want a built-in launch control, if you want to do some of those boost by gear stuff, that's a little more challenging to do. On Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's,
1: I mean, you're kind of nailing the trade-off. Uh, Because the OEM uh, processor, at least historically, has got some really great refinements in there, Um, you know, from idle quality and transitions and stuff like that, transients. Um, So it and it it's got a lot of good tuning. Uh, So you're modifying. So you're just moving the things that, you know, you've sort of changed. And so you, you can only you only have to deal with those portions of the map sometimes. So the OEM controller and software strategy can be fantastic up to a point where you want to start adding some features that weren't originally in there. And then you got to make that big decision to, you know, drop a bunch of coin, you know, completely switch over and then map the entire engine and all its, you know, speed load spaces and idle and cold starts and, and everything else. Now, granted, you know, for any kind of configuration, there's probably a tune Similar to what you're going to do, that you can drop in there and get a good start point, and then kind of work from there. But yeah, that's your kind of decision point: is is how, how radical am I going to go, and how many different features do I want before you jump from a really high quality OEM controller uh, that you can kind of get into with some aftermarket software, and then you dive into an aftermarket system.
2: Absolutely, Kevin, nailed it. I'd say the the aftermarket systems they're they're getting better about their quote unquote, wizard process and some of the auto learn functions, their transitions on part throttle to what, you know, wide open throttle, those still need a lot of work. But I I give my hats off to systems like the Holly system for, for honestly, a a cheap amount of money, you can get, you know, a a Holly Terminator system, which the functionality in that thing is incredible for what you get for it. I mean, built in, you know, wideband support has comes with the wideband. You get uh, launch control. You get a, a lot of input output controls. That really is, you know, for the money. I, I think it's hard to beat. I I, I kind of give my hats off to that thing.
0: For the money, they own every race company on earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> they don't buy everybody, so yeah, they should have it all there. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That uh, yeah, is.
1: But nice. What's a what's a good you know, maybe a couple of lessons learned uh to really, you know, kind of give out to the, the new guy out there that's kinda of starting to tinker around or, or thinking about getting into Yeah, that.
0: man, he got himself an HP tuner, he's wanting to play. Um, what are the first things he should watch out for?
2: Well, first thing to back up that HP tuner is get you a wide band. Flat out.
0: Don't guess yeah. at that
2: game. Get you a wide band. That's the and honestly Well,
1: well real quick Absolutely. for anybody that doesn't know, you know, the the wide band versus the narrow, you know, the narrow is just barely telling you you're rich or you're lean, but you have no idea where you are other than you're rich and you're lean. So you're you're either black or you're white. Uh, but the wide band tells you exactly right. I'm fourteen seven. I'm I'm this. I'm you know fifteen two. So you know exactly how rich or how lean you are at any given moment, and that is you know, that's kind of like the x-ray, man. You're looking inside the body there. You see the broken bones. Uh, you know exactly what you're doing before yep. you start the surgery. I'm, nailed it. <laughs> great,
2: great example. There, guys.
0: Yeah. You're sniffing. It that's not right. Burning, man. That's right.
1: So what, what would be another one besides a wideband? Cause I, I think that's definitely, man, you, you hit it with number one right there.
2: So yeah. Wideband is your lifesaver. Second, I, I would say, um, you know, a, a, a dyno helps. It's, it's, uh, I, I say that with a little bit of jest because I, I just broke down and bought one. But being able to, to look at how the car is acting, to hold it at a specific RPM, a specific resistance or speed and whatnot, and really dive into what the car is doing. Oh, that's that's great. And you don't have to worry about hitting oncoming traffic, running off the side of the road or anything else. So Or cops. Or cops. <laughs> that that's important as well. So that's where I was going. Yep. So <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's just a much safer route from that standpoint. Now, if you, if you don't have that, you know, and, and not a, you know, um, they're kind of hard to find or expensive or whatnot, uh, get yourself a good friend, you know, to, to hold that laptop and, and that can assist you if you're driving out on the road and doing it. And I'll say the best thing you can do on some of these systems is learn the logging function. So you can't, you can't see what's going on as you're driving it. But what you can always do is log it. And go back and look at it. You know, the retrospective. Go back and look and see. Hey, what was my air fuel doing? What was my TPS, my throttle position sensor doing? You know, and and how much timing do I have? What's my fuel injector these Like, you know, those type of things that you're trying to look at as you're driving. Don't do that. Just log the log the stuff. Make small baby steps at each change. Go back, look at the logs. The logs will tell you everything that's going yeah, on man. if you set it up
0: right. Data logging is essential in any car build and any performance-driven uh, machine. you, you got to have that accessibility. you got to be able to go back and see where you broke the tires for you or where, where it fell on its face or you know whether or not the, uh, the nitrous solenoid opened or how much boost you were putting on it. Uh, all those things you could log in and see what happened uh after the fact you don't have to worry about keeping your eyes uh on a laptop when you should be keeping it on the road hey man yes, sir.
1: there's so many things going on too you're like well, let me look through yeah. my list you know check 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 okay cool yeah man yeah because uh you know you mentioned the dyno because back when you know three or four hundred horsepower five hundred horsepower was a rage you could kind of get to those speed loads you know maybe some public <laughs> roads uh, on ramps fairly easily but yeah if you're pushing you know four four figures on the horsepower number, whatever. Sometimes it's hard to hit those, you know, full power <laughs> load spots. Oh, a- and, uh, absolutely. You know, you want to be able to walk up on them, you know. And Mexico's so, a long drive. Yeah, yeah that's most right. Of hey, there's, there's, there's one right. other
2: thing that I'll say that's that I, I have learned. And, and honestly, bro, I learned this really on, you know, your vet. It was one, another one that I learned it or got reminded of it. Always, always, always make a copy of your tune. So before you start changing anything, download that tune and make a copy of it somewhere before you start any changes or anything else. You always want to start with a clean file. So if you can get, if you're tuning like a, Uh, let's say, a 2013 Camaro or a 2019 Challenger, whatever it is. Take that original file, save that thing off somewhere so you always have it to go back to. Um, That's something that's really important is, you know, access to a library of stock files because sometimes a a file can get corrupt. It can get challenging to see what other people have done on that file, etc. So it's nice to be able to start clean. So I'd say always keep a, a good copy of a clean file, clean, you know, uh, image that you're working with. So there you go, man. There right, you
0: man. Go. Amen to that. Uh, all right. So before we go, man, um, one hot rod memory with us, go ahead, throw it against the wall. What do you got? Oh God. Um,
2: I, I'll say 77 white Camaro um, had ragged that engine to death, that poor car to death. And you, you, oh, came, yeah. you came out, I was living off Nicholasville Road and we were doing pulls, you know, it has a gear drive on it, it had nitrous on it, it was a souped up high compression old school 355. Cops pull us over and like, what are you guys doing? And, and we tell them that we're checking out the transmission because it's got a gear drive, it whines when you crack on it. So he's like, yeah, I, I hear that transmission whining and sound like it's really going to go out but it was a gear drive in a car. I'm like, that guy does not know anything about cars. So, um, but we, we got away with it. No, no ticket. So that was cool.
0: Hell, last time I was with him, we got pulled over. You know, that,
1: that makes me think I need a recording. I need just a recording and a speaker and whatever hot rod of just some ugly <laughs> grinding noise. And, and whenever I'm just getting on it, I'll just play that speaker. Uh, so if I get pulled over, I'll be like, man, it's the transmission. It's, it's the valve. Yeah. You
2: should have you that, know. Kevin. You work at you name Ford. You it. No, I'm just kidding, bro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Warlock tuning and Dino, is that it? That's it, bro. All right, man. That's my brother's new gig, and uh, I couldn't be happier for you, man. You've always been great in the world of cars, and uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm so happy you're-, you're headed down this road. I can't wait to see uh, what you're, uh, you're able to do with all your friends and all the cars that are in that neck of the woods, man. They're all fast, and – I'm sure you're just going to make it faster. (laughs) So keep (laughs) up the great work, man. Uh, And don't forget about our show airing on weekends on the Motor Trade Network. Check your local listings. Also available now streaming on demand, which is a great way to find us. Uh, Don't forget my man who produces the show. His name is Scoop, our executive producer, the one and only Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we thank you for joining the podcast.
1: Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us on social. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Garage. Now, the Two Guys Grudge Podcast, it's copyright 2022, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved.
0: All right, man, first day of computer class, freshman to college. You ready for this? So I get this class. Bro, I ain't never taken computer class. I, I go, okay, what's this building I'm going in? Here I am, man, like, you know, fresh off a of basketball court or something. And I roll into computer class. The teacher writes something on the board, some kind of fraction, M, something in the square, this and that, whatever. And he's like, okay, have code for this by tomorrow. This is your first homework assignment, bro. I got right up out of that class, it went and unregistered for it. I was like, no, no, I don't know the first thing he's talking about. I'm out of this. <laughs> that was the last time I ever entered a foot into a computer class, and uh, probably last time I ever will. <laughs> Guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's great talking to you.
1: Likewise, so, man. Take it easy, bro. All
2: right.
1: All right, man. That was fun catching up with both of you guys. I hope you guys had a good time. I know I did. hope you learned a little bit, and we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast.
0: Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.